grab your Bible and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. I grew up going to church camp every summer as a kid. Anybody else grow up going to church camp? And I remember uh, every summer when my mom would drop me off for camp, she would always have those last-minute reminders. She'd be like, okay, now, Micah, don't forget, you need to take a shower this week. And Micah, don't forget to eat breakfast every morning and drink lots of water. And hey, don't forget, you got to put on bug spray. You got to put on sunscreen every morning. I said, Mom, I know, I know, I know, I got it. Then when I went off to college, it was the same thing. My mom, hey, don't forget to study and go to class. And don't forget to call me, right? Don't forget to text me back. Okay, Mom, Mom, I, I will, I will, I promise. You know, moms are great about reminding you to not forget the important things. This morning, as we finish up the book of 1 Peter, we are going to be reminded of a few important things. Some things that we've already heard from Peter about that he wants to reiterate again, and some things that he wants to sum up. But these are his final words of encouragement to these churches. This is his way, like a mother to a son, of helping us to not forget the important things. But before we dive into our text this morning, I want to kind of recap for you where we've been. I've, uh, this is the last sermon in 1 Peter, and I've really enjoyed studying this book. I'm, I'm always so amazed at how applicable the Word of God is to where we are today. And we said from the beginning that we have a lot in common with these first century believers. We both are outsiders and strangers in a culture that's not our home. We're exiles, and, and we saw that as exiles, we should be marked, we should be different from the people around us. We should be called, we're called to be holy and, and be submissive and to love one another. Part of our uh, exile means suffering and, and dealing with ridicule, and these trials serve to strengthen us and purify us. We also saw that a major part of our exile is actually being a testimony to a watching world. As we suffer for our faith, we have an opportunity to give a defense and to bring others to Jesus. That's what we've seen throughout this letter. And so let's wrap up our series today by reading our final text from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 4 through 14. Would you please stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word? Starting in verse 5. Likewise, you who were younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanus, a faithful brother, as I regard him, as I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God, stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with the kiss of love. 
peace to all of you who are in Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You can be seated. Last week, we saw the kind of leadership that a church should be characterized by, and today we're going to continue talking about an exile's church and how it should function. So as we walk through this text, I want to give you five things this morning. Five things an exile's church should be characterized by. Here's the first. Number one, an exile's church should be characterized by humility. Look with me at verse 5 again. He says, Likewise, you who were younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You remember from last week, the first four verses of this chapter were directed to the elders or pastors of the church. And now he speaks to those who are younger. And he commands them to submit to the leadership. But why? Why did he call out the young folks? Well, we're not entirely sure, but he did. It's kind of like when you grew up in church and the pastor talked about obeying your parents and your mom gave you a good elbow in the ribs. This is for you. This is a verse for young people. And here's what we know. Young people do tend to have a harder time submitting to authority. (laughs) Young people do, and I speak for myself, tend to think they know everything. And as you get older, you begin to learn there's actually a lot I don't know. You know, as I've gotten older, you know what I've learned? I've learned that my parents were right. They were right. I tell them sometimes, and I go, oh, I'm like, man, I wish I would have listened to you. I would have avoided some big mistakes. So I believe it's so important, young people, that we learn to submit to the authority that God has placed over us. Listen, kids, teenagers, much as you love to hear this, your parents are right. They just are. Don't learn that the hard way like me. Young people need to submit to those above them. And in the church, we know, as Peter pointed out, that's the elders. But lest you think this doesn't apply to everyone else, he shifts to the entire church. He calls everyone in the church to be clothed with humility. I said some weeks ago that humility is one of the most important things you can bring to church every week. The church cannot function. We cannot be the church God's called us to be without humility. It is that important. But what is it? What is humility? Is it everyone just disliking themselves? Well, no, as I've heard it defined, I like this this quote. It says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's focusing more on God and others, putting other people's needs before your own. And where humility comes from is through understanding the gospel. I heard a a story from Charles Spurgeon that he used in a sermon. I, I thought it was great. I don't know if it's true or not, but it's a good story. He told about the king of Spain. One day the king went down to the 